it's good. We're going to start in 1 Peter 1.16 where God says, Be holy for I am holy. This is God speaking to you, all of us together. Be holy for I am holy. The holiness of God is his most commented on attribute in Scripture. The holiness of God is continually brought out. It's probably a hundred to one. Anything else. The holiness of God is what the angels are shouting and singing in heaven. They're not shouting uh, purity. They're not shouting righteousness. They're not shouting truth. They're not shouting blinding light. They're shouting holy. There's something about the holiness of God that is so important and so noticeable and so powerful and beautiful that that's almost all of what the angels comment on in heaven. So if it's that important about God and he says, you be the same way, uh, we ought to know what that is. And I'm, I'm guessing that a lot of people don't even know what holiness might be. Some people have some wrong ideas, so let's define it. In Hebrew, the word holy means to be set apart or to be dedicated. And in English, that word dedicated gets watered down a lot because you can be a dedicated basketball player, you can be a dedicated grandma, uh, you can be a dedicated worker. And that's a very weak version of what the word dedicated actually means. To be dedicated means I am given over to something exclusively and it is the only reason I exist. There are probably some people who exist only for football or only for money. You know, only for money or only for politics or whatever, um, they're dedicated to that. And God is holy. He is completely set apart or set aside from the rest of the world. And he exists, he's the only self-existent one. He exists unto himself. It also means not commonplace or not every day. So the, in the Old Testament, when they had the tabernacle and the temple, the altar and the Ark of the Covenant and all the objects in the, in the temple, they were holy. They would sacrifice a lamb and mark the item with the blood, and then they would anoint it with holy oil, and then only the priests could touch it. It was not an everyday dish. It was not an everyday item. It could never be defiled by being touched by a common person or an everyday, used in an everyday purpose. It was holy. It was not commonplace. It was not everyday. It was untouchable. Only the priest could touch it. It was exclusive. Holiness means exclusive, which is why we call whole, uh, marriage holy matrimony is the old-fashioned word for that because Sarah and I are holy to each other, and all of you who are married are. You are means I, I, we are untouchable to anyone else. We're completely separate from the rest of the world. Hello? No other man may touch her. I may not touch any other woman. We are untouchable. We're unapproachable. Uh, that exclusivity is not legalism. It isn't God being strict or controlling or commanding to say, you have to live holy lives for me because that's what marriage is. And God says, if you want all of me, I get all of you. And that isn't an unrealistic expectation. So it isn't unrealistic for Sarah to say, if you want all of me, you don't touch any other woman. And we agree to that. 23 and a half years ago, you know, adultery ruins things. I mean, some people try open marriage and it's a disaster from hell. And how foolish would it be to propose, honey, I want to marry you, I love you, I will be faithful to you every day except July 16th and December fourth of every year I want to go on a date with another girl. 
But you're like, Jesus, I need your forgiveness. I need you to be my Savior. I love you. I give you my life. Accept this music and these TV shows and these boys and, and these weekends and these provisos and limitations and exclusions and hello be holy it's not unreasonable at all because you would laugh if I'd propose to Sarah that way but that's that's the way we treat God God I want all of you but you can't have all of me that's too high of a price to pay that's too strict that's too religious so it means untouchable, it means exclusive, and it includes the idea of purity. It doesn't mean pure necessarily, but, but God is completely pure in his, he's set apart from the world. He has absolutely nothing to do with the, the death and the filth and the blasphemy of this world. He is completely pure and set apart from it. And so God is holy, and it is the thing that the, the unnamed spirit of God is called the Holy Spirit, and, and all of his presence is holy and the word holy is just everywhere around God, all through Scripture, and like I said, 100 to 1 probably, maybe more. It's, it's the attribute that everybody in Scripture mentions of God, and His home is the holiest of all. The room in the front room in the temple where only the priests could go was called the holy place, and then in the back room behind the curtain where the Ark of the Covenant was and the, and the visible glory of God, that was called the holy of holies or the holiest of all, and only the chief priest could go in there once a year. That's a copy on earth of the heavenly model where John and Ezekiel and Isaiah see into the presence of God in his throne room and describe God on his throne. And he's surrounded by trillions of holy angels and the 24 elders and the four living creatures and everything there is perfectly pure and holy. But even in that environment, he's unapproachable. He's separate. He's set apart because he lives on a throne surrounded by a sea of crystal clear glass with a rainbow dome over it and no one may come into his presence, not even though they are perfectly pure. No one could come into the presence of God. He lives in unapproachable light until Jesus came with his blood. Hebrews says Jesus came into the Holy of Holies and he put his blood on God's throne and he says, there it is. There's the only perfect acceptable sacrifice and God let him approach because he was holy. God's presence may not be defiled, and Jesus was the first one ever to be undefiled, to be able to come into the presence of God and offer his blood for our sins. And he did that because God has this problem, that he lives in unapproachable light, and he can't be defiled, and if we came into his presence, we would be killed just for the sheer power of his glory and his light and his holiness, and he can't be defiled by our sinful presence. And so... Another thing about holiness is that God was lonely because he's, he's so set apart, he's completely alone. Trillions of angels singing his praises, but he didn't create angels for friendship and communion. He created them to serve him. He created us for communion and family and friendship. He wanted us to be his sons and daughters. He said, all I really want is to walk with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. That's all I want. And it's the one thing I can't have. Because if I go to them, they'll die. And if they come to me, they'll die. So his only answer is, I have to make them holy. I have to make them holy so that they can come to me and I can come to them. And 
they don't defile me and I don't cause them to die. And we know that that's the blood of Jesus. This is God's plan from the very beginning, Ephesians 1.4. God chose us in Jesus before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Before the foundation of the world, God chose to make you holy. He knew before he made Adam and Eve that they were going to blow it, that there was going to be separation, but I'm going to make them holy. I'm going to, it includes purity. I'm going to wash away their sin, but it's more than that. It is I'm going to separate them from the world. I'm going to set them aside as my special people, my holy people. And it is the blood of Jesus, and it's the Holy Spirit of God living in us. We know it's not because of our own obedience. That would be impossible. It isn't because we're good people or particularly even lovable. It's just because God is love. Amen. And he took the blood of Jesus and he washes away our sins. But there's a secret about the blood of Jesus that in the, in the Old Covenant, whenever they'd offer a lamb of sacrifice and they'd put it on the altar, God says, where there's sin, there has to be death. But I don't want to kill you, so we'll offer this lamb of sacrifice. And that was a picture of Jesus. He's the ultimate lamb of God. But they would put its blood on the altar to atone for our sin, but the blood also made the altar holy at the same time. God says, because it has innocent, pure blood on it, it becomes mine. And it's separate and untouchable and exclusive to me. It cannot be used in everyday purposes. Well, guess what? You asked, if you given Jesus your life and asked for forgiveness, you asked for the blood of Jesus to wash away your sins. Guess what else that does? It makes you holy. Yeah, here we go. Uh, Hebrews 9, 18 and 22. This is why even the first covenant was put, not put into effect without blood. In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be dedicated with blood. The word dedicated there means holy, made holy. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. So you confessed your sin. You asked God to forgive you. I need the blood of Jesus to wash me clean. I need his death counted for mine. And Jesus washed you in his blood and you became white as snow. You also, at that moment, are marked with the blood of the Lamb, and you become holy to God. You cannot choose one or the other. You can't say, Jesus, I want you to forgive my sin, but I don't want to belong to you. I need your forgiveness, but I'm going to still hang out in the world over here and not be holy. You must be holy, because anything marked with innocent blood is holy. And only holy priests can come into the presence of a holy God. 1 Peter 2, 5 to 9. You are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. God has made us holy and we are his people. And this verse gives us another word to include in the definition of holiness, and it's the word special. That you are special to God in the same way that grandma or great-grandma's china dishes are special. <laughs> Meaning they're not the everyday dishes. They only get used on special occasions and they're on display because they're so valuable and so beautiful and it's not every day. And the kids can't touch them. Hello? God says, you are not my everyday people. You're not the common people of the world. You are my special people, my set aside, and I display how valuable and beautiful you are, and you're reserved for me. Yes? You're holy. 
But the word special has kind of become a joke in, in modern America because all of us were told by our second grade teacher that we're special. Well, by definition, if everybody's special, ain't nobody special. Hello? I mean, it's absurd the way our schools lie to our kids. If everybody's special, then nobody's special. So when God says, you are my special people, he means you are different. And you're mine. And you belong to me. And you actually are special. If you will live for me. So how many of you are holy? If Jesus is your Lord, if you've asked forgiveness and been baptized, you are holy. You don't get a choice. You choose whether you want to make him Lord, you choose to ask him for forgiveness, but if you went that route, you're now holy because you're marked with the blood of Jesus. So you must live like it. You must live like it. Or it's the whole thing's null and void. And that isn't legalism. That isn't say, I'm not speaking out of both sides of my mouth because we can't earn our salvation by being good. When we promised to be exclusive, now I must be exclusive. So you don't get to say, well, God, I, I need you and I need your forgiveness and I want to feel good in church and I want to be a good person, but, but hey, I don't earn my salvation by good works so I can do whatever I want. After I'm married to her, I can't say, well, now that we're married, you can't leave, so I'll do whatever I want. There are some churches that teach that once you're saved, you're always saved. We're not one of those, but we sure live like it. Like, I can, I can step out on God whenever I want, and he'll just forgive me when I get back. That, that doesn't last very long. So you're holy, and you must live like it. 1 Peter 1. 14 to 16, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts, meaning how you used to live before Jesus, as in your ignorance before you knew what God defined right and wrong and what he requires of your life, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct because it is written, be holy for I am holy. So there's the verse I started with in its larger context. You're not supposed to act like you did before you met Jesus, before you knew the truth, before you heard the gospel. And you used to live that way, but now you must change and be holy. It's, it's a requirement, but it isn't legalism. It isn't strict. It's just common sense. God's like, I give you all of me. I require all of you, and this is going to be a faithful, exclusive, untouchable marriage. Be holy in your conduct. 2 Corinthians 7.1, because we have these promises, dear friends, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body or spirit, and let us work together toward complete holiness because we fear God. If you fear the Lord, if you love Him, if you desire Him, you will want to be completely holy, completely separate from the world. You will want that because He has made you that, complete holiness. Romans 6, 19-23, Just as you used to offer your bodies in slavery to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer them in slavery to righteousness leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, what benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you've been set free from sin and become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, and the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. Paul tells us, you used to live a certain way, 
You were slaves to sin. You couldn't stop if you wanted to. Now that Jesus has set you free from it, you're a slave to righteousness, and that is making you holy. And we must live like it. So act holy. Clean up your tongue. Clean up your eyes. Clean up your ears. Clean your thoughts and your imaginations and your fantasies. Stop watching unclean videos. Stop telling and laughing at dirty jokes. Stop listening to the world's music. Stop wearing what the world wears. Stop touching the world. Be set apart. Be actually dedicated to God. Cut off from the world. And that means with when you decide to be holy, which means to be separate, it will separate you from your friends. Not because you're rejecting them, but because you're choosing God. In high school, I don't remember which grade it was, but I remember very clearly it was the math classroom and the teacher was out of the room. So all the kids are talking about the party going to happen this weekend and um, what was going to go on there. And somebody said, I'm right there listening to it all. Somebody says, are we going to invite Mitch? And Leanne says, are you kidding? He, he can't come. And she didn't mean my parents wouldn't let me. She meant we can't include him she never, ever would have used the word, but she's like, but they knew. I didn't do that. I'd never been to one of those parties, and, and it, was, it was interesting. I had lots of feelings. I felt humiliated. I felt separated, left out, but also felt, yeah, I can't go. And I, makes me feel like a little kid, but it also makes me feel really good that they know that. And it was no rejection in what Leanne said. It wasn't, she wasn't mocking me or ridiculing me. It was just like, no, that's not what Mitch does. Yeah, I'm coming. I'm going to do it all, but not him. Later on, sometime in high school, Amy and Lisa and I, two girls in my class, are going to go to the movies on the weekend. We had to drive for an hour to get to the movie theater. That's how rural I grew up. We were going to go to see this movie, and I didn't know anything about it. And I won't say which one it was, because I don't want to shame any of you who've seen it. There's no Christians that have ever seen this movie. So, so we're going to go to such and such movie. And, and uh, the morning or the afternoon that we're about to head out, Amy calls me, and she says, Oh, this movie's rated R, and it's rated really R. And it wasn't that I'd not seen rated R movies. It was just, she's like, she found out what was in it and this particular scene. And she says, you can't come. She told me, like, we're, we're going without you. You shouldn't see this. Oh. And again, I felt like I'm this little kid that needs a babysat. And I feel like I'm left out. But I knew it was right, and I didn't go, and I still haven't ever seen the movie. I, I guess I thank God that my classmates knew who I was, <laughs> and what I would or wouldn't do is a little scary that I wanted to, I guess. I, all the feelings of being left out, and also glad, I guess, that I would never have used the word as a 17-year-old that that's holiness, but that's what it is. I was separate. And they knew it. And it wasn't always fun. But Luke 6, 26 in the message version says, there's trouble ahead when you live only for the approval of others. 
popularity contests are not truth contests. Your task is to be true, not popular. Being holy means being separate, being set aside, being put over here, away from everybody else, and that might happen in your family also. Your family might not like the choices you make, and they might not understand, and they may falsely accuse you or even be mad that you won't participate in whatever it is that they do. But Jesus warned you about that ahead of time. Luke chapter 12, do you suppose that I came to give peace on earth? I tell you not at all, but rather division. For from now on, five in one house will be divided, three against two and two against three. Father will be divided against son and son against father and mother against daughter and daughter against mother and mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. This isn't Jesus being divisive in a sinful way. This is him bringing us out in a holy way. It's him making you holy. Even when your family rejects you for trying to do the right thing, Listen to me, Joseph ascribed his brother's crimes to God. It will help you forgive your family much quicker if you realize their rejection of you is God bringing you out. I'm not saying they're not rejecting you. In the natural, that's what's happening. They're being hateful or dramatic or causing trouble or lying or stirring stuff up. But spiritually, Joseph says, you know what you did? It was, it was God. And so I can easily forgive you because I don't blame you. So if we'll have the same mindset that, yeah, this really hurts and I don't understand and I don't like it and I'm being lied about or accused or falsely assumed or whatever, but if you realize this is, this is not just them rejecting you, this is God making you holy, separating you, it'll be a lot easier to quickly forgive. Amen? So when you stop partying, you're going to lose your partying friends. If you're going to stop smoking pot, you're going to lose your pot-smoking friends. If you're going to have to break up with somebody because they're not as serious of a Christian as you want to be, or they're leading you into sinful temptation or impurity, you have to choose Jesus before the other person, and that's holiness, even though that's division of relationship. There's, there's a holy way to do that. In fact, holiness is defined by being divided away from the things of the world or something that's unclean. Your family will misunderstand or even reject you because of your choices. Your coworkers may falsely accuse you. Classmates may make fun of you or put pressure on you to sin. So there's another word that needs to be included in our definition of holiness, and that's misfit. That you don't fit in at school. You don't fit in at work. Some of you don't even fit in at church. Ask Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego about standing out. Literally, everyone else is bowing before the idol in a crowd of thousands of people, and they're the only three standing, and God says, Ha-ha, I have separated you because you are holy, and now I'm going to put you through some holy fire and make you more holy. Hello. Ask Stephen, who literally gets herded by himself, and the Pharisees gather around with rocks and stone him all alone. That's holiness. And slowly, as you make choice after choice after choice to obey God, to be faithful, to be exclusively His, and more and more people won't go that far with you, they won't follow you that far, they don't approve, or they lie, or they 
try to talk you into coming backward or tempt you into sin or whatever, and you just keep saying, I'm going after God, I'm going after God, I'm going to obey God no matter what it costs me, eventually people will just drift off in the background so much so that you find yourself alone. And another word we need to add to our definition of holiness, it is literally, it is lonely. Holiness equals loneliness. Because the Bible says God is all alone. No one may come into my presence without perfect holiness. And when you come into the presence of God, even if you're in a crowd of thousands, it truly, literally feels like it's just you and God. Because holiness is being alone with God. Holiness is lonely. Now, hear me. Listen real careful. I'm not talking about you isolating yourself on purpose, cutting yourself off from your family and friends who need you. This is all in the context of perfect love and the gospel. But I'm not talking about isolation. I'm not talking about rejecting people who won't be as holy as you. Hello. I'm not talking about you getting preachy and bossy and self-righteous so everyone leaves you and nobody wants to be your friend and you're like, oh, look at me, I'm holy. No, you're a jerk. I almost said a different word. Um, I'm not talking about an Eeyore. You cannot be, oh, nobody loves me and I don't have any friends and everybody's against me and I guess I'm just holy to God. Okay, that, No, that's self-pity and it's gross. The holy person is alone with God but a friend with everyone. And we'll love and serve anyone. Yes? Okay, I'm not talking about being Eeyore. I'm not talking about being a martyr. Like, we'll just, I'm, I'm obeying God and no one wants to go with me. And no one wants to love me. And look, Jesus, I'm suffering for you. And you just, it's complaining. That isn't holiness. We're not talking about hiding yourself. I'm not talking about you hiding your real self and looking holy to other people. Um, I'm not talking about self-righteousness or depression or any of that. I'm talking about the real moral choices you make, the real choices to obey God and walk with Him as other people won't go there. You bless them, you love them, you serve them, you never reject them, but you just realize, okay, if I need to be alone, I'll be alone. And so much of our service does feel like we're alone. You're asking God, why am I the only one? Who teaches in class every week? Why am I the one that has to carry the worship team? And why am I the one that does this or that? And I'm the only one fasting this week. And all these other people, I'm the, God, I'm the only one. To, God, why do we have to tithe? And I know this person, this person, this person. They don't tithe. And, and, and God, I'm the only one in my entire class. There's none at the party tonight. <laughs> you will always feel alone. It's not true. There are other people fasting. There are other people making terribly hard choices. There are people sacrificing. There are people carrying a load. You're not the only ones doing foster care or caring for that elderly grandparent or parent or the only one who's tithing. You're not. You're not. But it will always feel that way. By design. Because holiness equals loneliness. Ask Job or Abraham or Moses or David or Elijah or Daniel or Shadrach or Jesus or Paul about God getting people alone to teach them a lesson. The school of the wilderness. The school of rejection. The school of arrest. The school of the cross. Yeah. 
Holiness is being alone with God. But the very last thing we want is to be alone. I mean, we have a biological and emotional drive that refuses to be alone. Like, I'm not. That's terrifying. That's dangerous. That's, uh, that's really bad. We are herd animals, and our herd animal instinct kicks in when we're alone. Like, I have to be with somebody. This is dangerous. This is bad. This is scary. And some people then wrap that up fear with self-righteousness, well, like, I'll be the only one alone because I'm the only one that's right, which is gross. But we do not want to be alone. We don't want God to hurt us off alone. About a week and a half ago at five in the morning, I heard this crash outside the window, woke me up, and what was that? What was that? Oh, no, that was the gate. Harvest horse had pushed the gate down and clop, 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 run down the street in the dark at 5 a.m. Oh, no. (laughs) Well, our horse is alone in the pasture. Horse is holy to harvest. It is. It's set apart in our pasture. It is holy. I don't mean it in a religious way. I mean it's holy. It's alone. And it wanted to be with the other horses down the street. So it pushed the gate down and clop, 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 runs down the street and stands under a tree looking at the other horses. And thank God it didn't go very far. And thank God it didn't get to the highway and, and all of that. But we got, her, we got him back in. And all herd mammals are that way. Like we do not want to be alone. And it is bad, and it's dangerous, and it's excruciating sometimes to be completely alone. But God will, at some point in your life, and maybe multiple times, he will require that you stand alone with no one else who is brave enough or moral enough or dedicated enough to do it. We really do not want Jesus to to drive us from other people. This is what Peter's doing the night of Jesus' trial at the fire. They're saying like, Peter, you're with Jesus. And he's like, no, no. He did not want to be separated from the people he was with by Jesus. They're identifying him with Jesus. Jesus is in big trouble at that moment. And Peter's like, no, no. Do you see that he doesn't want to be separated? He doesn't want to be isolated, different from the people who he's with. So he isolates himself from Jesus. You have to be holy to somebody. You will either be holy to Jesus or you will be holy to the world. Like if you choose your friends and classmates and coworkers and family, you will reject Jesus. If you choose your boyfriend or girlfriend, you will reject Jesus. If that relationship is wrong, I mean. We do not want Jesus to separate us from other people and because of fear of rejection, fear of missing out. So we want to listen to the world's music because everyone else does. And we want to watch those shows because we don't want to look stupid when we go to school or work and we can't talk about whatever show it was or wouldn't dare dream of dressing unfashionably, no matter how immodest the other girls are dressing. Uh, I would be humiliating. And I, I, I have to joke around and cuss a little bit with the guys or they'll think I'm weird. Jesus, don't separate me completely in front of everybody else. So we make moral compromises to be a part of the group over and over and over again. We make decisions based on what other people think. The terrible, terrible decisions that teen girls make because of what somebody else might think. Well, I can't be 16 and haven't been kissed yet. I can't graduate high school and I'm a virgin. So-and-so might think I'm fat, so I'm going to starve myself to death. 
horrendous decisions, life-ruining stuff that people make because of what somebody else thinks. Terribly afraid to be different from somebody else. Voice a different fact or truth or viewpoint on masks or vaccines. or So we just keep our mouth shut because I don't want to stir the pot. This is how fraternities and sororities and sports teams initiate their people, make them do things they would never do. And then they get it all on video. Hold it over your head when you become a Supreme Court justice. But people make terrible, terrible decisions so that I can be a part of the group, so that I'm not rejected. God is never going to leave you alone. But it will sure feel like it. And that's scary. But that is holiness. You have an invitation to know God. But you have to answer it. You have, you're invited into his home, but you have to actually leave the world and go there. And I don't mean dying from this planet. I mean leave the world behind. Turn off your TV and your phone and go into your prayer closet. You have to go. Leave the world behind and go. You're, you are welcome to have an audience with the Creator. But He's unapproachable unless you're completely holy. The answer to that is not to behave better for three days before you pray. It's to ask for the blood of Jesus to wash you clean and go. You are chosen. The fact that you are here today, whether you're saved, born again or not, the fact that you're even interested in being here is that God is calling you. You are chosen by God to come know me. And you spend more time on YouTube and Instagram. You, you can know God. Oh God, I got some TikToks to watch here. I got a ball game, God. Come on. None of that's wrong. But do the math. How much time are you spending on other things? You can't live on, your, on your, what you meant to do. What did you do? Well, I didn't mean to spend an hour on Instagram. Well, you did. And you meant to spend an hour reading your Bible, but it was two minutes. What you mean doesn't matter. What you do matters. You have an invitation from the creator of the universe. His invitation to actually be special and valuable and set apart. To know the living God. To live in exclusive communion with him. Say yes. yes. Say yes. yes. Unchoose the world and choose God. Amen.